Hi everybody, it's Katie here for John A. Light Sink or Swim, and we are, I was going to say, in the coldest state in the nation, in Alaska. However, I'm in the Midwest, and last night we had 23 below with the wind chill. Uh, so Naeem, we have, we have Naeem Shabani, and what was the temperature by you last night? Uh, we were right around there too, but uh, you know, there, there, there's moments where you guys have us beat, that's true. I'm wow, gonna... really? I guess I can wear my mink coats to see you. By the way. <laughs> How you doing, John? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How's everything? Good, good. Uh, we got a big Albanian community there where you live in Anchorage? Yeah, I mean, there's a good, uh, I'd say about a thousand population in, in Alaska overall and mostly concentrated in Anchorage. Uh, but yeah, we have a pretty decent uh, close-knit community. Hello, everybody. Hello. You got it. Absolutely. They're uh, 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 going to be excited to, to hear that I, I spoke to you. I'm excited every time I hear there's more Albanians somewhere else in another state city. So, you know, the more I hear that, you know, I, I just talk to you off air. That I'm, I'm definitely going to come there and visit you. So, yeah, absolutely. We'd, uh, we'd definitely enjoy your visit. I appreciate it. So, Naeem, you're Albanian. You ended up in Alaska. Can you tell us a little bit about your family background and how you ended up coming to America and, and then obviously why you ended up in Alaska of all places? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like like most Albanians uh, or first generation Albanian immigrants, of course, there's a story. Um, I was born in Kurchova, which is in the western part of Macedonia. Um, when I was three years old, my family moved to Chicago uh, or rather immigrated to Chicago um in the mid 80s or pretty much throughout all of the 80s there was a lot of political unrest um in in that part of the world um a lot of families moved at that time um seeking a better life for for their family and uh you know we had the privilege to to be able to come to america uh so we ended up in chicago there was uh where we're from there was a relatively decent sized community of Albanians from our region in Chicago. Um, so I pretty much grew up there until my uh, uh, mid-teens. Um, eventually, uh, we moved to Alaska. My, uh, my, my mom's brother had been out here since the mid-70s, and uh, he owned a, a taxi company uh, in the western part of Alaska. It's a really small town. So my family moved out there. My, my dad uh, essentially ended up working for my uncle. Uh, so that's how we moved to Alaska. And again, I was about 16 years old at the time. And we've pretty much been here since. Um, that's uh, in a nutshell how, how we ended up here. So I have a sister. I just left Chicago. I was there with a, a bunch of Albanian guys. I know some of them, some I just met. Uh, good guys, actually. And my sister lives yeah. in Glenview. So I'm familiar with Chicago, and I have an, another guy, uh, a young black kid, uh, Bugatti, that lives in the South Side. So I always say hello to him when I mention Chicago. Some of his friends, he's in the music industry. So I'm familiar with Chicago. Uh, not, uh, I'm not a big fan of the governor, Priska, whatever his name, Priska, or uh, the mayor, Lightfoot. Crime's rampant there. These poor kids in the South Side, especially, are getting killed left and right. No one's doing anything about it. So politically, I'm pretty active and involved and I'm an inner city guy. So I, I'd love to see opportunities for these kids instead of them getting killed and go to prison. 
So I'm hoping a new mayor wins next month when they have their election. And maybe somebody does something and are concerned about these young kids. So uh, it's, it's yeah, a shame. John, uh, I mean, I, I grew up there and I still have a lot of immediate family. And actually, a majority of my family is, is still in Illinois, uh, perhaps no longer directly in the city of Chicago. But I, I, I visit frequently. And, you know, as a kid, I'll say I had a great childhood. Um, uh, it's an excellent place uh, to, to grow up. But as an adult, I, I, I've changed my views uh, tremendously on on pretty much Illinois politics as a whole. I, I, I think it's a I think it's a terrible place to to, to live, frankly. Um, and then, you know, spending all these years in Alaska, which is a very conservative state, um, you, you you do start to appreciate you know what, what it truly means to be free in America and what it means to live in the land of the free. And Illinois and, and places like California, unfortunately, New York as well, are no longer uh, uh, that. Yeah. Were well, you in the city or the suburbs? Pardon? Were you in, in the city of Chicago or in the suburbs? I'm from Chicago originally, that's why I asked. Sure. Well, I mean, that, that, definitely not in the city. Uh, or rather, I, I grew up in the city, but uh, what I was saying, you know, refers to essentially the whole state because it's it's state oh. politics that affect everyone. But the city would be unfortunately worse. Mm -hmm. You know what the problem is? Like right now, I think crime is up. It's incredible. It's up. I think again, thirty percent more from the year before, and nothing's happening with it. And you know, as a young guy, man, I grew up in a, obviously on the streets. I was a wild guy which we all know in and out of prison. But as you get older and you have children, you don't want your kids growing up in an area where they go on the street and they get hit with a stray bullet or they get involved in something and they go to prisons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your, your outlook changes. And just recently there was a picture out in the newspaper. There's a couple articles coming out of uh, me taking pictures with Donald Trump at the Mar-a-Lago and people are, you know, on the attack, some in a good way, some in a bad way. And uh, I'm not the guy I used to be. So I try to tell people the same thing. I advocate for, for a law and order now. I advocate for uh, exactly what you're doing with the shirt. People can't see it, right? And uh, it's about doing the right thing with your life, become a businessman, hustle in the right direction, and... Uh, you know, I'm a big advocate, and one of the reasons why I wanted to come on with you is because of my daughter passing away uh, not quite six months from fentanyl. They're on the street kids picking up drugs that are illegal, thinking they're going to get one thing, and they end up with fentanyl, and they're dying 100,000 plus a year. So I advocate for uh, situations with things that are legal, like what you're doing with CBD and oils and uh, different products and not buying it off the street where somebody takes something and thinks it's something safe and it's not. They got to go to people like yourself that are, are doing positive things, making money in the right way. So I'm a big advocate now of uh, trying to save some lives. Yeah, and, and John, I apologize, but we did get disconnected there the first half, but I did catch the second half of that. And uh, yeah, I, I, what, my business is, I mean, there's still a lot of stigma involved. I mean, you know, it's a coin flip. Half the people agree, half don't. Um, however, you know, as it's still an infant industry, the, the legal side of it, at least, 
Um, and uh, as years go by, uh, the, uh, states and institutions are more able to do studies on the effects of it now, whereas in the past they couldn't because of its uh, legal status. Um, and a lot of positive data is coming out in relation to crime, in relation to, to uh, social impact, uh, and, and just general health. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times we hear from our customers that they've essentially ditched their opioids and replaced it with, with cannabis um, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, the days of buying stuff on the street are, are hopefully, in regards to cannabis, are hopefully near its end. Um, and, you know, that'll alleviate a lot of resources for law enforcement to focus on the other harder uh, drugs that are definitely plaguing uh, smaller communities all across the country. Katie, you have a take on that? Well, you know, the smaller communities, I live in one now, and they like to pretend like everything is rosy all the time, but you can read the paper and read the police reports. It's not. Um, it's just as rampant in the smaller towns as it is in the bigger cities, I think, sometimes, because they have this facade that everything is just rosy. Um, so... You know, I come from a generation where, you know, drugs are whatever and not. So how do you get across to people like me who don't really understand what it is you're doing, what the difference is between, you know, buying a bag at school or whatever um, right. and what you do? Um, well, Katie, the, you know, there's there's always going to be that, that hard line of folks that you just cannot uh convince and and that's okay that's fine uh what's very important is that the next generation is educated enough on the matter that uh to them it's not a extreme it's not a a uh, substance of rebellion you know when when i was a kid you know smoking cigarettes was kind of the thing unfortunately i still smoke cigarettes but the uh, uh, th that was kind of how you rebelled, right? And then in the later years, unfortunately, it became drugs and, and, and stuff like that. So hopefully this will be kind of the medium where uh, someone could access it legally uh, without, without uh, legal re repercussions. And ultimately, when something is available, it's no longer a, a, a rebellion, if you will. That's um, not taboo uh, that's correct. Yeah, when something becomes not taboo at that point, it's uh, it's not, not fun, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, so back to your question, you know, how how do I, uh, I anything that's legal and the taxes is paid on, and there's a storefront with an open sign and a menu, and the people from the neighborhood work there and and patronize it, um, you start to get a different feel for it when it's you know right next door to your local bakery or whatnot. Um, it does become more more normal for sure. Naeem, how long have you been in the business now, in the CBD? Uh, uh, four, four years now. And, and actually, C CBD is a very small portion of what we sell, John. We're actually a, a full-on uh, uh, cannabis. cannabis uh, this way, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. thinking, actually, whoever designed this, I love it, right? Because you got the... <laughs> that was me. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, so when I got the shirts... I've been wearing them. I was like, hey, can I wear these shirts? Thank you. I was doing this interview because, and I figured, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm really, because I'm, I'm a little bit, a little bit more knowledgeable of the cannabis because of my sons. 
So my sons like it. They're an advocate for it. Uh, me personally, as a, a father and a guy that's talking about law and order now and trying to get people to do a, a legitimate hustle in business, uh, I think it's better than alcohol. Alcohol is legal. I'm a drinker because of the way, you know, we grew up, as, you know, in that, obviously in that uh, era. But the young kids, a lot of them don't drink. They smoke or they, you know, they, they, uh, use cannabis and CBD oils for pain. And, and I'm really, and my son's been telling me that, try the CBD oil for the pain because I got a lot of back and hip pain. And I've tried it a couple of times and it's actually good. And I also am very knowledgeable of marijuana and stuff because of the uh, industry I was in when it was illegal, right? I was in that industry. I bring it in from Mexico and different ports. And so I was hugely involved in, in the drug industry, unfortunately, right? And uh, I have a friend, Lee Whitley, who I had on the show before. He did 18 years out of Canada for uh, moving marijuana. And now he uses that past of him being in prison to try to help with the CBD industry and cannabis of curing cancer. So you, he went from one extreme because it wasn't acceptable to, a, to an industry that it is acceptable by Congress, by senators, and uh, by our government that says it's okay now. Now, me, I've been an advocate for, for a long time. I, I'm not a smoker or anything like that, but um, um, anything that comes out of the ground and it's legitimate and, it's, and it actually is helping people, why not? If you smoke, if you're drinking alcohol and you could die from alcohol and poisoning, they know it, it's very harmful to the body. Yet this doesn't have those uh, those uh, repercussions of, of using as far as I understand so far. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's very accurate. Uh, uh, I mean, back to what you said about the, the essential black market, um, think of it this way. When the black market uh, uh, sells cannabis, you literally don't know what's in there. You have no clue. Uh, the legal side of it goes through stringent testing. It has to meet certain requirements. There can't be any kind of chemical. I mean, when you grow marijuana, there's certain nutrients and whatnot that, that are fed into the plant. And all of this comes out uh, essentially in an autopsy of the plant before it could be put on the shelf for sale, right? So you, the consumer, you have uh think of like on any food in the back where you have the nutrition guide right for for you know if you're drinking a can of coca-cola you can see exactly how much sugar is in there how much corn syrup all that stuff well it's the same with legal cannabis you you see exactly what you're consuming and that's a very big distinction between the black market and the 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 legal side of it um because it, it produces consumer confidence number one you know what you're buying number two you know who you're buying it from um so that is absolutely important uh, as far as drinking and smoking like you said we grew up in an era where you know there's still a lot of stigma behind cannabis you know with with my background being albanian and all if anyone saw you with a joint that was equivalent to being on crack you know that's that's yeah, yeah that's, people that don't know that they don't know yet it's uh, uh, you, you got are you kidding me? If you're that even heard a rumor of that, you'd get the belt up and down all day long. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, it, it didn't have to be true. Just a rumor was going to yeah. be. Um, so in any case, uh, you know, we grew up at a time where, you know, smoking cigarettes and, and, and drinking was th that was th those were your party substances. And I can attest to both of them 
that they are far worse than cannabis. Um, I'm not a big I'm not a big consumer of cannabis. For me, it's it's mostly you know I enjoy the business side of it, um, but uh, I I never got into it at a young age as a consumer. Uh, so that's not gonna you know it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? So uh, it is definitely better than uh, long term. It is definitely better than smoking cigarettes and, and downing a bottle of whiskey occasionally. I, I got to tell you something, man. I just thought about this. Sure. Is- Macedonia, I believe, is one of the, the first parts of Europe countries that legalize this, right? Uh, uh, cannabis, and you've, you're originally from that, that region. Somebody yeah, contacted me a couple of years ago about this out of Macedonia. I, I don't know much about that, but if I, had to, if I had to guess, I would say they would have legalized the medicinal side of it not yeah, the recreational the side. that's what i'm talking about the medicinal yeah side. so i mean th- th- there might be some pharmaceutical company that's based out there that you know got it to pass where they could grow it for medicinal purposes right. um but I, but I don't think there's actual sales where someone off the street okay. or a member of the public off the street could go into a retail shop i don't think that exists but i'm sure yeah, the i remember the when they contacted me from there they wanted to, they wanted to see if i was interested and it's been a couple of years, and I was just thinking about it. I says maybe is- I, I haven't heard anything, John. Um, as far as far as retail establishments go, I haven't heard anything. But on the growing side, there's a lot of states, even uh, or rather a lot of countries and states where the growing of it for medicinal purposes is legal, but they don't sell to the public. Um, y- y- there might be some university out there that's you know conducting a study. They would need legal rights to grow it so they're not breaking the law while they're studying right um so there's a lot of that that goes on so it could be something like that and i bet in macedonia i mean those you know fine folks over there are quick to speculate i'm sure when when that happens someone probably thought that the next logical step will be that there's just going to be shops all over you know uh, which is not always the case well the first legal grow in california is actually owned by a guy i'm friends with he's an albanian guy and really yeah, so I know that the industry in now New Jersey is bidding. Uh, they're putting in the paperwork now. Guys are bidding, and one of my friends is bidding. Also, he's a, a farmer. He owns one of the largest farms in in New Jersey. Was bidding on uh, trying to get the legal grow aspect of of uh, marijuana now. So, you know, it, the government's embracing it. So, you know, when, when they are, John, but there's. Uh... Sorry to interrupt. They are embracing it uh, slowly. However, the way they're implementing the regulation uh, and the licensing for it, you know, some states are better than others, for sure. We talked about Illinois earlier. You know, we could touch on that one more time. Um, Illinois did it in a, in a very uh, lacking, transparent way. Uh, where Colorado... Uh, Colorado did it right. So yeah. it, it, put it to you this way. You and I probably cannot uh, uh, get a license in, in Illinois. It's, it's, it's one of those uh, uh, setups where before it even became legal, they knew essentially who's where the licenses are getting dispersed to. Yeah. Um, there's, there's basically 10 companies that own all of the shops in Illinois. Like, are you kidding me? In a state of 12 million uh, population, uh, only 10 companies own all of them. That doesn't sound very free market to me, you know. Oh, oh Batman um, it, knows who they are, too. 
she probably does right <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's uh it, it, the the government is embracing it because they they you know of course enjoy the the, the tax money that's coming from it but it, it's not being implemented as well as it could be and then on the back end speaking of the tax it is also disproportionate just the way they have it structured they essentially don't give you the benefits that you know a coffee shop or a restaurant uh uh or a laundromat would have uh you're taxing a different method and you can't deduct certain stuff i mean it is it is still very very infant in regards to it becoming you know just your typical shop down the street there are still hoops and hurdles that that not to mention that not every state has has legalized it yet you can go to jail for having a joint in your pocket in several states in america yeah well i'll tell you one thing our government's no different i always I always use the scenarios of I understand what the government's doing ahead of time in front of most people that are in this country because they use the tactics of the mafia, right? So, and I see oh, yeah. it. So, you know, it's it, no different than bookmaking. I did a show on 60 Minutes Showtime on the legalization of gambling here in this country. I did it years ago. And, you know, they got into the industry because of the tax money. There's billions of dollars you can use for the infrastructure. Then they got into the union business where the mob was in the union. Now the government's at their hands in the union also. All for the same reasons. Uh, they just present it different. And now they got into this business also because of the revenue that's bringing into the, each state and city and locals. So um, I understand, you know, the, the maneuvering and the, and the movement. If it benefits them, they do it. But they also control the industry where it's not a fair market. So they knock the mob which I knocked them up, right? So I do want to knock them up also, that they're, they're full of crap and whatever I, I have to say about them. But the government's no different. They're just a, a bigger entity of the mafia, more controlled or more power. And uh, unfortunately- and, and Similar to families uh, in the mob, you have different states and some are more lenient than others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you ever been in trouble in your past? Um, not, uh, not on a large scale, no. Well, that's good. You're very educated. Uh, we, we, do you have college? Uh, no, actually. I barely made it out of high school, but uh, I was always the smartest kid in class. Uh, I just... Self-educated, actually, really. And I, and I mean that. The way you handle you. you talk, the way you present yourself, you're business-oriented. So, you know, I tell kids all the time, follow, if you got hustle in you, do it the right way. Because if you if you got that hustle and you got it in any industry, you can bring it... Right to a business aspect and not get yourself jammed up. Yeah. Well, well, John, my, my background, uh, I, I don't know how we're doing on time here, but, uh, my, my background, uh, uh, has a lot to do with a lot of the good choices that I've made and my, I, I've made a few bad ones. Don't get me wrong, but the, the, the good ones, uh, superseded the bad ones, luckily for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my, you know, my family was a very, very poor family. Um, immigrated to America. The idea was to give, my parents moved here to give their kids a better life, right? My mom was a housekeeper growing up. My dad was a carpenter uh, and they both passed away, unfortunately, well before their time. Yeah, uh, yeah thank you. Um, but yeah, they, they both passed away well before the, their time. And they essentially uh, sacrificed and donated their life. So me and my brother, I have one older sibling, uh, they essentially donated their life. So me and my brother could have a better life. So I literally have a duty to my parents to do better. Um, I cannot 
I cannot be a loser, period. That is not an option for me because it would be a disgrace to my family. Why did they leave everything behind um, so I could come here and do nothing, right? So uh, that has been a, a, a lot of the seed for ambition and motivation for me and for my brother, who's also doing very well. Um, so, you know, that's one of the benefits of being Albanian in our culture, um, the respect that we have not only for one another but within the the patriarchy of the home is really really deep and it's something you learn at a very young age um and i do think it it helps keep you in line uh for 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 most of the part that's such a, a manly honorable thing to say i love that <laughs> thank you so, it's the truth are, are you single so I'm, I'm married and I have uh, three kids, uh, two daughters, and I just had a boy four months ago. How old are the kids? Uh, eight, six are the daughters, and the boy is four months old. Oh, well, you really are young. That's congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's my last name. I'm almost, I'm almost 40, and I'll tell you, changing diapers at this age is no uh, walk in the yeah. park. How about your brother? Same thing. Does he have children? He does. He's older. He's uh, uh, he's about 46, and his kids, he has two boys. They're uh, 20 and 16, so they're much older. And he still lives in central Illinois. Are you with the Albanian woman? or uh... Correct, yes. Oh. But she's, she has a similar background to me. Uh, you know, she, she's born and raised here, but yes, her family is Albanian as well. I do have two questions for you, Naeem. Is sure. on your storefront, so... If somebody walks in the door and they don't really know what they're looking for, you know, maybe it's somebody like John was saying who has some, you know, joint pain or whatever, um, sure. you know, how do you get them started on that? And then also, what is your clientele? Are they mostly the younger kids or are they middle-aged? Or Thank you for that question, actually. <laughs> uh, the first part of that is um, our staff is extremely knowledgeable. I mean... These guys are coming from a background of of using themselves and, you know, maybe I shouldn't say here, but some of them even selling themselves in the past. Um, but uh, they're extremely knowledgeable on the product that they sell. And again, let's remember there's a lot of information in the legal market. There's a lot of information on the product itself. Um, so it's really easy to... Uh, sell the right product to the right person once they give you it, it, it'd be similar to going to a, a pharmacy and you know you check off boxes well you know i have this but it'll give me that side effect so i don't want that so i'll do this because of that side effect and so on and so on and those that are uh, more knowledgeable in the industry they're, they're better at targeting what is the right product for you once they ask you some questions, you know, not unlike what you would experience at, at you know, a doctor's office, basically. Um, clearly not to that level, but yes, you know what I mean. Can now, I the second you? part of that, oh, yeah. go ahead, John. No, go ahead, finish the second part, and then I'll ask you. The second part is the, the spectrum of clientele that come in. You would be absolutely shocked. When you think of a, a you know, a weed smoker, you know, you think of the guy with the with the Rasta hat and the and the and the corn. You know what I mean? Like the it's 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 not that at all. I mean, you have from young to old, uh, from every profession, you have uh, uh, lawyers and then doctors that come in and and, and purchase. Um, it, it's it it is well well received amongst the community all across the board. There is no specific demographic 
that you could single out to say that, yeah, that's the only customers you have. I mean, it is literally from A to Z and everything in between. Well, that doesn't surprise me because drinkers are the it surprised same. surprised me, honestly, at the beginning. Well, yeah, well, maybe I've seen it over the years when we were in the industry. Years yeah. ago, I'm talking about, you know, school teachers would come in to pick it up, judges, lawyers, people you wouldn't <laughs> really imagine back then when it was taboo. So Correct. at this point, what I wanted to ask you is, if somebody's from another town, another city, and they wanted to order from you, can they? Can you send to them? Can they order? And what is the name of your store and the, and the exact street address so people know it? Sure, thank you. Well, the the, the store is called Double Eagle Cannabis. Uh, it is located at twenty forty two East Third Avenue in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, and I have another store as well that's out in the village, but we won't talk about that one right now. Yeah, I lost my question. Do that's what happens when you get old. It was a good. It was a good question too. He probably Katie. has something for that, John, to help with your memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I got to tell you the truth. I'm impressed with the, with with this industry, but I'm really impressed with you because it, <laughs> I I didn't expect you to be how you are actually, and I mean that yeah. you know really a compliment because. I try to I, I try to show we had some guys on the other day from Canada, young two brothers, young brothers from Iran. Really, really nice guys. Uh, you know, positive. They're in a real estate business. And uh, I'm trying to show different people there's ways to make money around the world. And don't be an idiot or knucklehead like I was for so many years. I wasted almost 20 years in prisons. I know people, you know, they look at it and, you know, they're impressed on what I survived through. I guess in a way, you know, it's whatever it is, but they don't see the other part of it. You know, you, you lose your family while you're there, you suffer. I recently lost my daughter. Um, and that comes with not being around. And, you know, so the physical pain we can all put up with, you know, I tell everybody on a regular basis, the emotional pain that leaves you for the rest of your life, scarred that people don't see the rest of it. So I try to help to make sure kids realize that. So in the future, they don't look up to some of that stuff. They look up to somebody like yourself and says, wait, there's ways to make money, be successful, be proud of yourself, make your parents so proud that, you know, passed away and hopefully they're looking down at us and they see that you're doing the right thing for your kids and your family. And really uh, it's easy for me to spoo that other nonsense that I was involved with, but that's that's not the uh, the right way. I wouldn't tell anybody's kid to do that and uh, people that are uh, romancing that other bullshit is uh, you, you wouldn't tell your own kids. Nobody gives their own kids drugs and guns and tells them to go on the street. It was such a great life. Everybody be pushing that. So, um, yeah. you know, people watch what you're doing, all the kids, and they're going to open up a business. The people that you never met in your life are going to see what you're doing in your area. And they're going to try to mimic that somewhere else. And, and good for them. You know, that's... Yeah. You know, competition and drive and capitalism is what this country is made of and what makes you successful and makes you ambitious. So I, I, yeah, I really, 100%. Yeah, now yeah, you, John and I have, John and I have been talking about um, dads, especially, and, you know, just like what he was saying, the effect that it has on the whole family and, you know, they have international women's day and things like that, but, I'm going to talk to the audience right now. And if you know of any dads that are setting a really good example for their families and their children, 
either write something in the comments so we can contact them or contact John's website at johnalight.com and we might just have them on the show uh, in some capacity. But yeah, you sound like a great dad. I do have a dad and mom question for you, though off camera we're talking about the solstice and seeing you have little babies and I have children also. How do you deal with naps when the sun doesn't go down or the sun doesn't come up for <laughs> long stretches? I mean, just daylight savings time around here, you know, used to be, you know, one hour off and it can throw a schedule in a, in a yeah. Well, it's it's definitely uh, uh, confusing at first, uh, but but you know, the the human body is a amazing uh, mechanism that could adapt to just about anything, and and you know you're you, you do get into a rhythm eventually. Um, and as far as the kids, I mean, you know, they're 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 born here. They, you know, they're confused when they come down there. <laughs> you know, what, what happened to the sun? Right. Right. Is it midnight yet? Right. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to touch on what John said uh, uh, earlier. John, I, I do appreciate uh, uh, all the kind words there. Um, and, you know, th definitely knowing your history, you're, you're someone that's that's seen both the good and bad of, of, of the world. And, and it, it's definitely very valuable uh, uh, coming from you. So thank you for that um, uh, again. And uh I mean, I, I grew up in the city of Chicago, literally on playgrounds, not in the best parts of town. You know, it's no secret when you come to America um, as an immigrant uh, in, in, a, in a large metropolitan city, they don't exactly drop you off in the, in the Hamptons. Um, you know, you, you kind of start in the rougher parts of town. Um, and, you know, I was definitely no stranger to, to seeing adversity and poverty and all of that. Uh, and I was around it all the time. You asked me earlier if I had ever gotten in any big trouble. Um, I, I haven't, but but I definitely have had the opportunity, plenty. Um, and luckily for me, I've, I, I've been able to witness both uh, some very positive people in my life and some very negative people in my life. There's something to be learned from that as well. And I had both of them. Um, so I, I was able to kind of see my future uh, just looking at both sides of these folks that were around my life. Yeah, you know, I, I try to, you know, every show, whether it's somebody like you that's positive, uh, I try to make an example, and the good end is yourself. And on the bad end, uh, for the people that are watching, you have these gangsters, mob guys that are glamorizing that life, and that they're telling you all these beautiful, glamorous stories of loyalty and Meanwhile, these same guys that are talking about that have cooperated. Uh, they don't believe in a life where they want to do that. And uh, they're hiding somewhere else. They're not under the same names. They're not in the, the, the same neighborhoods they grew up with. And they tell these nonsense stories and people are looking and listening and telling you what great, how good this guy was as a boss and as a captain and this, this nonsense. And uh, they're not the guys that were out there squeezing that trigger. Those are not the guys who are out there going to prisons or they wouldn't have cooperated. And those are not the guys that really believe in, in what they're saying. But for some reason, they want to stay relevant. That's all they know how to do is talk about the things they actually betrayed and don't believe in. And so, you know, I try to bring the understanding that kids are naive when they're young, no different than I was. You buy into it. You go out there and you do some of the things I was doing, uh, which was a lot of violence. And... Uh, 
you're going to get stabbed up and shot up like I did. Most of my friends uh, end up losing their lives. And you're going to learn that uh, the right way in life is exactly what you're doing. Those young guys I had on last week with Katie, and uh, I'm just being honest, trying to save some kids' lives. It's, it's not that I want to knock all these mob guys, but trust me, I, I grew up with them. They're yeah. full of shit. It's the best well, way. Well, 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 John, I can give it to you from from my end here um and kind of my perspective on on you know the, the the mob and the mob mentality and all of that first of all as an albanian um you know our culture um is pretty well intertwined in that lifestyle and i'm not talking about you know criminals i'm not talking about uh, any kind of organization i mean just you know uncle joe from down the street but he's essentially a gangster in his neighborhood, not for crime, but just his his demeanor is that. That part of the world tends to breed uh, culturally um, because we're, we're, we're very big on honor, respect, loyalty, brotherhood, tribalism, uh, uh, all of that stuff. But we're, we're a tribal people um, at, at the end of the day. Um, so as an Albanian, certainly the culture the 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 mafia culture is unfortunately is attracting to us because it's it's very parallel with our 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 culture our our non-criminal culture is very similar well we believe in besser kanun and you know the the people don't know what that is and so we are as family entered and very loyal but that's not the mob world we're loyal to Correct. Yeah. And the second part I was going to get to is the, you know, that's my perspective on the, you know, the Albanian side of me. That's kind of, you know, that would be, I would say, you know, my attraction to that life. Right. But that would be the Albanian side, just because there's, there's starking similarities between just how you grew up at home compared to what you hear about that. The American side of me, right. Hollywood is absolutely to blame for that. You know, they've done some, really good movies with uh, some amazing actors over the years about that life, right? So as an Albanian-American, you're like, well, wait a minute, that's, you know, that guy is acting just like my uncle so-and-so, you know, there's a lot of similarities. Now, for me personally, and there's a lot like me, you you know, you grow up in a part of town that's a little bit rougher and you see a lot of bad stuff. And if you have enough sense, you can separate the two. You can say, all right, you know, culturally, we're similar, but we're not criminals, number one. And uh, Hollywood may make it look cool, but in reality, it's not because you could see the difference. So a vast majority of people have the ability to, to be able to separate the two. You know, you watch a movie, it's very interesting. Have a good night. And then you go back to, you know, working at Best Buy tomorrow. You know, so most people have the ability. Unfortunately, there are a few that, that you know, le- le- like you said, they they would glorify that lifestyle but i think they're speaking from from a point of of no experience um where they're well, basing it off of movies essentially well, and then the I, you know, I, I think a lot of albanians are very proud people because of our culture we were a fighting nation for the right reasons not the wrong reasons we're a tough country right. because we were suppressed we were, we're always on defense we, we, we've we've never gone into anybody else's home, but we are one hell of a defender when it comes exactly. to... And, and, that's, and that's a good thing. That's not the part I'm yeah. talking about. The, the, the uh, loyalty we have, even during the Nazi days with the Jews, we took them in. We protected right. them. 
that's the Albanian culture is to be proud people and to it's the only country that had more Jews. It's the only country that had more Jews after World War II than before it. The yeah. only one. Because we're a hospital, we are, not because we're Albanian, we're, we're very hospitable people. If you come in, we're friends and we, we just talk, you know how you'll open the door for me. Not because it's me, it's because I'm Albanian. 100%. And we yeah. do that for each other. And that could be at three in the morning, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyhow, it's true. And, you know, right. so the people that are proud, are tough, are fighters for the right reason, I respect them. I'm talking about the people that, as fathers, what Katie was saying. We, had, we owe it to our, this generation and the ones after that, like my friend Ganti Toskesi that does all the shows with me, he's a neurosurgeon. So people think that Albanians are just rough. No, they got good hearts and they're very educated and very successful around the world now. So, you know, oh, recently, Kay in, in, in Parliament were talking about not allowing Albanians into their country anymore and they, they bashed us. And I was very outspoken saying for them to say something as ridiculous like that on, on a parliament floor, I had to fire yes. back and say, we have so many Albanians in every culture and every industry that's so successful that you, you're going to handpick a couple that, you know, did the wrong thing and, right. and, and, and bash our whole uh, society. No, that, I can't stand that. Being in, in a public eye, I need to speak out and say, that's not true. The, the truth is, 98, 99% are doing the right thing. There's always going to be a percent that gets lost. That doesn't even mean they're bad people. I don't judge anybody. I just say right. they need somebody like myself that's been involved in it to, to, to put them back on the right track. Like, And I wish somebody was there for me to put me on the right track. But, you know, our culture, I'm, I'm very proud of Albanians. And, you know, people know I'm very patriotic to this country and to Albania. So, you know, I'll and I'd love to have guys like yourself on. I, I, uh, I share your sentiment there, John. <laughs> yeah, there go. Everybody knows I have it all over me. The, uh, the skeet, uh, the, right. Let's see if we can get the skeet down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but like you said, both to this country and the other one. So, but uh, yeah, back, back to your point, John. Um, back to your point. Uh, you, you know, let's remember historically, Albanians have been um, okay. oppressed and held back. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Albanians have been historically oppressed and held back for a very long time. So a lot of the the uh, diamonds in the rough, if you will, unfortunately remained in the rough. They couldn't get to the diamond status because we weren't allowed to, right? But in the last 30 to 40 years, um, a lot of folks that were able to get out of that mess, if you will, and go into other countries have proven that they are a very loyal citizen to have, a very patriotic citizen. They give you everything they got. They'll give you the, the food off of their kid's table. Right. So um, we are only on this first generation. And I'll say this is my generation, right? Roughly my age group. Um, we are on the first generation of being a free people where we could essentially do uh, what we're capable of doing without any interference. So I think we're going to see a lot of good stuff to come um, in, in the next few generations uh, from the Albanian community. I think the world will finally get a chance to to. Uh, put us on the map as a as a legitimate uh, uh, ethnic group that is productive uh, um, to the world and beneficial. One of the reasons I don't want Albanians for five hundred years. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. right. I, I don't like Albanians to to believe they're a victim, and I don't like when they do that to the inner no. city kids with reparations. And because if anybody needs reparations, it would be our culture because we've been suppressed, for, like you said for so many years, hundreds and hundreds of years that 
I don't want it as an excuse. We're strong people. Anybody that's strong doesn't use that as an excuse. They get off the no. floor and they move on and they fight back and, and they become successful. That's that's your reparations to be successful and to be proud. To get take handouts when a government does that, it's just suppressing them. They know what they're doing. They're manipulating, maneuvering them into being victims and victims never get up off the floor, off the canvas and become anybody. So I'm, I'm a big fighter for the inner cities, for all cultures, black, Spanish. I grew up with the, of course. I do my talks in, in all these areas. Those are my buddies, those are my friends, those are my brothers. So I don't like anybody giving handouts. And when, when you see leaders in that community asking for handouts, that's saying I'm weak. I can't do this on my own. I'm not successful, I'm not smart enough. And when anybody says it's insulting to my friends in those communities, that they're not smart enough to get voter ID and things like this, you know, that's racist to say something like, because you're black, Spanish, Indian, or any other culture, you're too stupid to get a, a voter ID, is so insulting to me when they're talking about my friends, their families that I grew up with. It's, it, that's the worst insult you'd say when someone talks about racism, that's racism. You're trying to hold them down. And, yeah. and I try to pick people up and tell them, listen, we've all been through a lot of shit. You know, I've been in prisons. I can use that victim status crap, and I don't do it, and I don't want anybody else to do it. In our culture especially, we're proud. And I, and I try to push that in all the inner cities. Be proud of who you are. Don't let anybody tell you you're too weak or too stupid or you're, you're not able to be successful because our ancestors were held down. So what? We were slaves too. This is right. a, you know, I just try to push a, 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 a real agenda of being honest and telling everybody you're good enough to be successful. Just know that yourself. Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. And your background should not determine your future. That's silly, especially in this day and age. And uh, let's not forget there's there's two ways to enslave a man. Uh, one is to work him without pay, right? That's the one we know about. The one we don't hear about a lot is to pay him without work. And that's a common theme with, uh, uh, unfortunately, the, the more recent government um, and, and all the handouts, like you mentioned, that's another way to enslave people is to get them used to receiving something for nothing. Just enough, not very much, you know. Uh, it's an excellent way of handicapping people. It's an excellent way. Like the mafia, they want them under exactly. their thumb. Exactly, exactly. And then once you get used to that lifestyle, it's very hard to go out and, you know. So, uh, you know, the, the victim mentality, like you said, as, as Albanians, it's really easy for us to play that card. But it's so rare, so rare to hear it. You know, we are definitely folks that, uh, uh, you know, get knocked down and get right back up, uh, for the most part, at least. But yeah, there, there's absolutely no benefit from being, uh, uh, or, or from rather from having a victim mentality. You got to get back up. Well, it's interesting to listen to you to talk about your culture. And it reminds me of something uh, when my sons learned in Taekwondo, it was called Chip's Eye. And just the character qualities that you talk about really are what Hollywood thinks the mob is or portrays the mob to be, but it, it's courtesy, humility, integrity, perseverance, and indomitable spirit. And that's what you encompass with your culture. And that is more, you know, quote unquote, mob loyalty and honesty than what the mob really is. But Hollywood likes to play it the other way. Right. No, th th thank you for that, Katie. That's, that's absolutely right. And, and again, uh, uh, culturally, as an Albanian, and this has been going on for, for, I'd say, the last millennium, right? The last thousand years, it's been unwritten and all of that. 
the uh, the loyalty towards one another and, and honor uh, preserving your honor and, and respect and how you treat your family and your community that is literally ingrained into us from the day you're born and there's no criminal aspect of it it is simply just a way of life you know it just happens to parallel quite a bit there's theories on this i mean there you know there, there's a good the arbitrage people there's a good you know uh, 500 years ago, they, they, they fled Albania when the Ottomans uh, uh, conquered. Um, and, you know, they brought a lot of their culture with them. And still till this day, they, they speak the old Albanian from, from that time, you know. So it is very possible, you know, go out on a limb here that the Italians may have, uh, or the, the, the mob faction may have taken a little bit of that culture for themselves. There you go. Um, you I know, like a true Albanian right there. <laughs> I love, everybody knows I love our culture. I'm one of the most proudest. Albanian raised on my grandfather's lap. I love Albanians. I love the thought process. I love the loyalty and the heart of a lion. I love our flag, the double-headed eagle. And that being said, we're proud. And being proud makes you ambitious and makes you work. And, and, and that's how I'll end this. And I just want to tell you, Palamendire, Mir Pashu, and, Thank you, uh, you too. And, uh, we hope to see you out here. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to come visit you. And uh, get my number from Katie, my personal number. And uh, let us know again one more time where they can get a hold of you, your websites, Instagram, anything that you have so people can reach out to your business and if they need any advice from you on products yeah, or anything where they can talk to you. Yeah, and, and I mean, anyone, you know, any it, any youngin out there that's uh, kind of looking for for you know some business direction or uh, wants to hear it from you know someone that essentially came from nothing to something, which would be me in this case, um, I'd be more than happy to to lend some advice. And you know we we all need help along the way, and I certainly got my fair share of it. So I'd be more than happy to give back to to anyone that has questions or needs a little bit of guidance in that sense. Um, but yeah, the shop is called Double Eagle Cannabis. It's at 2042 East Third Avenue in Anchorage. Uh, our email is doubleeagleak at gmail.com. That's doubleeagleak, one word, at gmail.com. And John, thank you so much for your time. I, 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 that shirt looks good on you, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to wear the white one tomorrow. I'll send you different uh, variations. As, as we experiment with different apparel, I'll, I'll, I'll keep sending you one. Yeah, please. And and. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> I wore it at the gym the other day. So, <laughs> they asked me who designed it. I said, I didn't have an answer. So, I was like, <laughs> Yeah, well, well I, I, I designed it most likely. But, yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's uh, it's fitting for, for me with my background. So, <laughs> yeah, if, if people that like the uh, what we talked about, please comment. Any questions? on cannabis business, please uh, write us on our website, johnelite.com. Follow me on John Elite Instagram and uh, shirts and all our merchandise is on my website. Anybody needs to get in touch with Naeem, you want to get in touch with us also, we can put you in touch with him or hit him directly on what he just left you guys for his store and his uh, sites. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it, Katie. Yep, thank you. And thank you, Naeem. It was so nice to meet you. And I, you know, an afternoon with Albanians. What could be better, right? <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, guys. Uh, exchange my, you get my number from Katie after we uh, hang up Will and do. have a person. I'm definitely going to come see you probably this summer. 
So I'll uh, see the you. best time of the year. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.